Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. I know you're saying, I know you grabbed your Bible or your um, app, or if you're going to follow the screen today, we're going to be in the Old Testament book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 37, the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 37. You know, the pastor and sister Valerie have not made their way in here yet, but they are still deserving of the um, honor. Um, it is still due to them, and I do take this time to thank them both for giving me the opportunity again to, to stand before you. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up, wait a minute. All right, no hold up and wait a minute, so we're ready to go. The Bible says, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. Skip down a few verses, find ourselves in verse chapter 9. Uh, verse 9. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. Eleven stars, the sun, the moon, they, they made obeisance to me. If you're able to lift your hand in two, if you got them, we're just going to ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in this time that we have together. Lord, I thank you first for allowing us to come into your house again, this sanctuary, Lord God, this holy place. And even though we don't know exactly what you're going to do, Lord, we know what you want to do is to bless your people today. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but we know, Lord God, that when you do it, it's going to be no doubt that it's you this morning. I pray that uh, whatever, Lord God, is lacking in me, Lord God, you will fill that space, Lord God. Whatever um, inabilities I have this morning, Lord God, to convey the word that you've given to me, I pray, Lord God, to make up, Lord God, and, and have the excess, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that your word will be made clear, Lord God, and that it will be revelatory in this place this morning. And if you love the Lord, won't you clap your hands? Amen. And you can have a seat this morning. Thank you. So today's lesson, if you were paying attention about two minutes ago, you already saw it up there. The, the title, actually it's up there right now. Uh, the title, Believing Without Understanding. Believing without understanding. And in the short time that we do have together this morning, I really just want to share two points, two reasons why we should believe even though we don't understand. It's important that we believe even if we don't understand. So we read in chapter 37 in Genesis, and the main character that we already saw, it's, it's Joseph there, and we're going to really just look at his life a little bit, but if you know anything about Joseph, you know that he had many instances in his own life where he had to believe without understanding. Even though he didn't know exactly what was going on, he had to 
believe, really, or he was going to lose his mind. He had to believe with an understanding. During his life, Joseph endured some things that would have taken out the best of us. He faced some things that, you know, very hard for anyone to endure. But if you start from the beginning and get to the end of his life, you see that it worked out pretty good for him because he believed, even if he didn't understand. And it's been said of Joseph that he was loved and hated. He was favored and abused. He was tempted and trusted, exalted and abased, yet at no point in his 110-year life did he ever take his eyes off God or cease to trust him? Now, that's a long time to trust. A lot of time, a long time to keep your eyes on the prize, but it's been said that Joseph is one that, that did that. 110 years he trusted, even when he didn't understand. You know, adversity didn't harden his character. Prosperity didn't ruin him. Prosperity didn't ruin him. He was the same right, in private as he was in public. And I haven't always been able to say that about myself, but God's working on me. He's working on me. But that was Joseph. Said of Joseph that he was truly a great man. And that's Joseph. We're going to, like I said, we're going to, as we traverse uh, chapter 37 and a little beyond, we're going to really take a, a good look at, at Joseph this morning. So, siblings. Does anyone have any? Anyone have any? All right. I've got one. I've got one. That's enough. One's enough. One's enough. All right. You know, but siblings, they fight. All right. It's normal. It's, it's, it's a universal rite of passage. It's quite common in, in most families. And, and if you have a sibling or siblings plural, then you already know what I'm, what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about the fighting you, you get into fisticuffs, all right? I'm not, no, no, no blood is necessary, all right? No blood is necessary, but, you know, you, you, the way you talk to each other and this is mine, not yours, and give that back, all right? And I, I'm better than you and you're better, all that stuff, all right? All that stuff. Um, but it's what, it's what siblings do, they, they fight, right? And this fighting, this antagonism, uh, is rooted in something uh, we call or is known as sibling rivalry, all right? And sibling rivalry is the tendency of brothers or sisters, right, to, to compete right, over perceived dominance, right, for favor within the family. So they're fighting over a perceived, right, dominance, right, uh, in favor within the family. And normally, normally this is um, a harmless phase. Right. Normally, we, we, we grow out of it, all right? but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't grow out of it. Sometimes um, we spend our entire lives in this battle, in, this, in the rivalry, and, and it's relentless, and, and families, they, they get messed up because of it. They get messed up behind, uh, yeah, behind it. All right. So the sibling rivalry is supposed to have a, a phase that we, we go through it, we pass on through it, we stop competing. All right. We stop trying to dominate each other. Uh, we just love each other, and we get along to get along. 
Sibling rivalry is particularly intense when children are very close in age. Right? That's, that's when really, you really start to see we're close in age, we're, we're the same gender, and one or more of uh, one or two of us, multiple of siblings, they have a talent, they have giftings, they have skills. The younger brother is trying to best the older brother. The older brother is trying to keep the younger brother at bay. And so we have the sibling rivalry. And, and, and the Bible, we don't have to look too far. We don't have to look too far to see that the Bible contains several examples of sibling rivalry. Right? We have Cain and Abel. You know, we know Cain was, was jealous right, of, of that, uh, the perceived favor that, that God saw in Abel. And we know what happened there, uh, jealousy, right, and, and, and ended up in, in murder. Cain slew Abel is what the Bible says. And then we can see Joseph and, not Joseph, Jacob and Esau, Jacob being Joseph's father and Esau being Joseph's uncle and how Jacob was jealous, again, jealous of Esau's inheritance and, and his blessing. Keep it in the family. We have sisters Leah and, and Rachel, All right. Leah being Joseph's aunt and Rachel being his very own mother and how they competed, they competed for, for Jacob's love. We have the, the brother of the prodigal son. See, he was jealous. Right? He was competing against his brother because uh, when the prodigal left, he came back. We know the story. The father sees him. He's running. Oh, get my coat. Get my ring. Get the best calf. We're going to slaughter. We're going to have a feast. And the brother's over here like, what? I've been here all these years. Where's my ring? My coat. Where's my feast? Sibling rivalry. All right, sibling rivalry, we see it. It's in the Bible. All right, it's in the Bible, and again, I know some of us have experienced it, all right? Um, it's not a new thing, and some of us in this room, again, have experienced it. You have your own stories that you could share with us this morning. If I gave you the mic, I won't. I won't. But you have some stories you could share with us. Now, I'm 12 years older than, than my sister, all right? And, uh, oh, there she goes. I was going to find a newer picture, but I didn't. Because I wanted you to see. Look at her. She's trying to rip my arm off. See, let's see. <laughs> um, you know, I, but I will confess. I will confess that there, there have been, right, some antagonistic behavior and, and tendencies between us. Right? But for me, I wouldn't call it sibling rivalry because I know she knows, y'all, that's my mother. She knows that I'm the favorite. It's, there's not a debate. <laughs> there's no argument. The, the evidence is clear. It's been proven time and time again. There's no rivalry competition. There is no competition. It's futile. In fact, the running joke between us is that, well, it's really my joke. Um, for her but that she was actually adopted from an African family. <laughs> and one day, they're going to be reunited. In fact, a few years back, she took a trip, an AYC trip to South Africa. She came back. <laughs> she came back. I don't know what happened. 
I don't know what happened. But our teasing and, and our antagonism, right, it's, it's, it's all in, in good fun. She loves me. I love her. We're a happy family. Our story doesn't come anywhere near as close to the darkness of the story of, of, of Joseph and, and his brothers. Not even close. We certainly do not want to kill each other. All right? We don't. All right? Even if I sold her, they're going to bring her back. So that's not even a, we're not like them. They're going to want a refund, you know. Sold me a lemon, you know. So we're not like them. We're not like them. Based on our scripture reading, it doesn't take a genius to see that there were going to be some problems in this family. Just in Genesis 37 and 5, what we read, and Joseph dreamed the dream and he told it his brethren, and they hated him even, well, they hated him yet the more. They didn't even know what the dream was. They already hated. They already hated. All right? And that's tough. That's harsh because these are the family, brothers. All right? Um, but they were heated. And not just one of them, but they all hated him. They were all angry. All right? They were all angry. And again, they were angry. They didn't even know the dream. So what was the dream, right? If we look at verses 6 through 10, we'll find out what the dream was. Uh, Genesis 37, verse 6 says, And he said unto them, Hear, I pray you, the dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. Verse 8, and his brethren said to him, shalt thou indeed reign over us? Um, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. So verse 5, they hated him, and they hadn't heard the dream yet. Verse 8, after they heard the dream, they hated him more. All because of his simple dream. All right? But Joseph played, you know, had a part in their animosity towards him. See, he was only 17 years old at, at this time, you know, and he was... Um, it's, it's 12 brothers in total, and, 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 and he, he's the second youngest, all right? And so he has this dream, all right? And he's telling everybody, look, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to be in charge. You're going to bow down to me. I'm going to tell you what to do, all right? You're not going to tell me what to do, all right? Those are fighting words, ladies and gentlemen. Those are fighting words. But here's the thing. He's only 17. All right? He's only 17, and... And, and if you've dealt with 17-year-olds recently, all right, 17, it's, 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 it's synonymous with immature, impetuous, right, impatient. And in Joseph's case, it's not smart, just not smart. All right? Sometimes that's exactly what 17 means, and, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't hold it all against Joseph. He was a young guy, and he had these dreams, and... You know, he, he wanted to tell some people, he wanted to share it, uh, but he, he added a little fuel to the fire in, in the way he told his dreams. You know, it should have been clear to Joseph that after he revealed the contents of his dreams to his brothers that they were not happy or pleased with him, 
But like a lot of 17-year-olds, he ignored their feelings. All right? He ignored their feelings. All right, Because he had another dream in verse 9. We read about that. And as soon as he got that dream, he knows what happened after the first dream. But as soon as he got this dream, he said, look, hey, gather around. I got another, st- I got another story. All right? I got another story. All right, another dream. In verse 9, the Bible says, and he dreamed yet another dream. We read it. And told it to his brethren and said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, right, they made obeisance to me. And you can only imagine Joseph's brothers, um, uh, they didn't hate him any less after this dream. They hate him more, all right. The dream only added more, talked about a few to the fire of contempt that they had for Joseph. It was, yeah, but it was more than than just his age and immaturity, right, that added to the hostility between him and his brother. So, And we're going to look at that some more because, again, it wasn't all his fault. There were some other factors, right? There were some other variables that played into this hostile relationship between Joseph and his brothers. So in verse 2, same chapter 37 of Genesis, the Bible says, and these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Speaking of the brothers, he brought the evil report of his brothers back back to Jacob. Joseph reported those bad behaviors, and, you know, he, he, was, a, he was a little tattletale. Uh, he was a little tattletale. The Bible doesn't speak to what the, uh, the behavior was, uh, but it was important, important enough, seemingly, that Joseph, uh, Joseph decided, look, I, I'm going to go tell Daddy what is going on. I'm going to tell him what I see what's going on over here. Now, it could be that, it could be that Joseph saw the bad behavior, and, and he said, you know what? I, I got to tell Daddy because... Um, I don't want these guys to make those same mistakes again, do make these bad decisions again. But then I started thinking he could he never went to them and said, Hey guys, what are you guys doing? You got don't do that anymore. Stop that. You know, I wouldn't do that if I was you. That's not what he said, and that's not what he did. All right, so maybe potentially there was some uh, little bit of tattletale spirit in him. Uh, but we'll never know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But one thing is clear. He wasn't going to make any friends that way. Uh, He wasn't going to make any friends that way. The relationship wasn't going to get any better that way. We move on in uh, verse 3. We start to see, though, a different uh, variable. We start to see Jacob's role in this hostility, in this relationship in his family, right? In the proliferation of this sibling rivalry, right? Um, Jacob... I asked before, some of us only have one sibling and some of us have multiple siblings, all right? But Jacob broke the number one rule, all right? Those of you with multiple kids already know, all right? The number one rule, you cannot, and Sister Valerie, you spoke about this, right? You have, you you can't have a favorite. You can't, you got to love them all the same. And even if you don't, that's what you tell them. I love you all the same, all the same, right? But Jacob broke the number one rule because he, he had 13 kids. He had 12 boys and, and one girl. Clear to me, clear to me, he never took any parenting classes. 
He was terrible. He was a terrible parent. Um, he just, just wasn't good. And the evidence is, is just clear. You, you just see him go very far um, to see it. So I, I talk about 12, 12 uh, 13 kids, really, or four, uh, four different women. And in verse 3, the Bible says it's, it's up there. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph. All right, loved Joseph more than his children. All right. More than all his children, more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. So you have Joseph, and then you had Benjamin, born of Rachel, all right, his true love. And he loved Joseph right, because he didn't think he was going to have any kids with Rachel. So in his old age, when he finally did, he loved Joseph. And he told everybody about it. He made sure everyone knew, not that he loved Joseph, but that he loved him more than all the other ones. Because in his old age, that's when Joseph came along. And he made him a coat of many colors. And we've heard about the coat of many colors. Most of us probably have. Many of us, I'm sure, have heard about this coat. And he made the coat because, again, he loved him more than all. No one else had a coat. Once he made the coat, he couldn't go back and say, I love you all the same. Because Joseph was, came at the end, and nobody else had a coat prior to him. But here comes Joseph. He got his nice coat all right, from his daddy. This coat would have been in an expensively dyed garment. I'm going somewhere. I'm just building a little foundation. Stick with me. Expensively dyed garment that probably had long sleeves that extended down to the wrist and, and the ankles. It was a garment of a, a nobleman, right? not a shepherd, not a worker. All right? This guy's important, and you know it because you see the coat. And if I was a brother, I might have hated him too. All right? I'm not even mad at them, the way they felt. Really, you know, because again, this coat, you know, it, 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 it should have been given to Reuben. Right? He was the oldest. And he deserved, right, this coat. Because this coat symbolized that, yep, he's next in line. All right, the birthright's going to him. <laughs> but that's not what happened. All right, that's not what Jacob did in giving him that coat. He said, nah, we're going to flip this script. All right, Joseph, all right, Joseph is the one that I love. And what I have, I'm going to give to Joseph. Everyone already knew that Joseph was Jacob's favorite, all right? I don't know what made him think, all right, let me go ahead and give him this gift too, in case somebody is confused. All right, he wanted to make it clear. All right, talk about not being able to read the room, right? How aloof is this parent, all right? But the destruction he's causing to his family and his children, he's crazy, all right? I meet some of these parents sometimes, all right, with the bad kids, all right? And I can't figure out why the kid's so bad, and then their parent come through the doors, and I'm like, okay. My bad. I got it. I got it. All right. Just bad. All right, just bad. All right, the brothers hated Joseph, right? Um, we were talking about it before his first dream, all right, because he was preferred um, by his father. All right, again, terrible parenting. Verse 4 um, and his brethren saw that their father loved him more. They saw it. Again, the coat. They didn't even have to guess. No mystery. 
They saw that the father loved him more than all his brethren, and they hated him. Again, this is verse 4. The dream came in verse 5. They already hated him. All right, before his dream, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably all right, unto him. All right, even if Joseph was confused, all right, and he didn't know that they hated him, all right, maybe they just talked to each other. Yeah, I hate him, I hate him, you hate him, we hate him, everybody hates him. All right, maybe he wasn't partying privy to those conversations. All right, Benjamin, the youngest, never came and told him, look, man, you got to calm down. They hate you. All right, you got to stop it. All right, we know you got the coat, you got the coat at school, man, but you got to chill out. All right, he, but, but by the way they spoke to him, he had to know then. All right, they can't even say nice words. You know how it is when you got, you know, something with somebody, you know, but you come, you good morning, <laughs> how you doing, good to see you. But you know, like, good morning, good to see you. You know that, you know they don't mean it. You know they don't mean it. When you can't even start to speak nice, that's when, that's when it's bad. That's when it's bad. All right, that's, when, that's, how, that's how it had to be. That's how it had to be in this house, right? They couldn't even speak nice to Joseph, right? It was mean and just, uh, uh, just, just not nice to him, right? Um, so for me, this begs the question, why, why, why? Because remember, they hated him before the dreams. Why was he so eager to share said dreams with the brothers, all right? And then the first dream, okay, yeah, they mad. That didn't help. I thought they would see that something good was going to happen. No, no, no. They still mad. They hate me. I'm not going to tell them this next dream. I'm going to keep that to myself. But we know the story. We read it. He didn't. He didn't have that conversation with himself. He was 17. He was a young man, immature, impetuous, impatient. All right? He was a brother. We talked about that sibling rivalry. All right, he knew what he was doing. All right, he already got the coat. He, he wanted to rub it in a little. Possibly. I don't know. I'm not in the guy's head. The evidence is there. I can kind of add two plus two, get four. You know. Sibling rivalry, I believe, caused him to, to antagonize um, his brothers. You know, there was a lot going on in chapter 37. We learned that Jacob showed great affection, uh, great favoritism towards Joseph. And we know that didn't help the family dynamic. We learned that J Joseph dreamed two dreams, right, and, and nobody cared. They cared more about the content and not the context of the dream. We'll, we'll talk about that um, a little later. We learned that Joseph's brothers hated him, and we were reminded of that on several, on several occasions. Right? We learned that people in this family, right, people in this family had a hard time deciphering both verbal and nonverbal communication. Right? Uh, their individual agendas made them ineffective communicators, all right? They, they didn't have, I could tell they didn't have effective listening. Right? Joseph certainly wasn't listening to his brothers. He wasn't, as he was communicating, he wasn't reading body language. He wasn't uh, deciphering appropriately what was going on and the relationship, the relationship that was now present with him and his, his brethren. But in light of this, all right, we learned one more important thing, and this is really my first point. I said I had two points. Two points this morning why we should uh, believe even if we don't understand. And that first point, why we should believe even if we don't understand, we see this, is that God is still working in the midst of the dysfunction. First reason why we should believe even when we don't understand is because God is still working in the dysfunction. 
You know, Joseph, we saw, we've seen, all right, he had a very dysfunctional family, all right, and it started way before he was born. Right, we go back to great-grandpa Abraham, all right, and he, how he callously, you know, booted, booted Ishmael out of camp. Why? For, for Sarah, because of her feelings, all right, against, against Hagar, her handmaid. And we see this in Genesis chapter 21, verse 10. The Bible says, wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. So well before Joseph's even born, all right, the legacy being created for him is, is not good. All right, it's not good. And then we go, we continue on, and then we see the rivalry between Isaac's firstborn, um, between the firstborn uh, of Isaac, so Esau, right, and then the uh, conniving combination of, of um, well, and scheming with Rebekah, all right, and the younger brother Jacob. So now we have, we have Esau, we have uh, Rebekah, his mom, and then his brother Jacob, all right, and we see what's going on there. We kind of, we, pre- we looked at it a little earlier with Jacob, all right, being jealous of the birthright of Esau and, and his inheritance and then scheming with Rebekah, how can we get this thing? All right, so again, the, the legacy being laid out, the pattern, the example being laid out already for, for Joseph is not good, or it's not good. And then we come now, right, to Jacob's own sons, all right, Joseph's brothers, all right, and their scheming um, and their wiliness, they deceive their own father. And these examples, they give us such insight into the ongoing power of family dysfunction. It's even more sobering when we recall that all these were godly families. Right? They were godly families, that their, yet their relationships right, were so radically misshapen and deformed by the warped perspectives of their parents. It started with the parents. Proverbs 26 and 2 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But the two sides to the coin. Our kids will be shaped by the example that we set before them. Jacob's sons learned to be wily and to be slick and to be deceitful, and then they used those skills against him. Because he used those skills against his own father and his own brother. They learned from his bad example. So when we read that, train up a child the way that they should go when they're old, they would not depart. Yeah, that's, that's the good stuff. I'm going to teach my kid the good stuff, and then they're going to be awesome when they get of age, but then they're going to learn the bad stuff too. If I set a bad example, that's, that's what they're going to take. And they're not going to be able to depart from the bad behavior. They're not going to be able to depart from that bad example that I set for them. God gives us dreams in the midst of the dysfunction. I said God is moving in the midst of the dysfunction. God gives us dreams like he gave Joseph dreams in the midst of the dysfunction because he is indeed working in the midst of the dysfunction. So we shouldn't get sidetracked by the dysfunction. If he gave you a dream, he gave you a vision, if he, if he spoke something into your spirit, all right, he has a plan for you, receive it. We have to believe even if we don't understand. The God-given dreams uh, you have of what could be, all right, what might be, what 
we hope to be or a crucial part of God's gracious action in your life. These dreams are special because they are his dreams for you. His work that will be accomplished in his own time and his way. So while we're here in the midst of this dysfunction and apparent chaos, right, we can't be discouraged, right? We can't be ashamed in some cases, right, of the dysfunction of our past or the dysfunction of our presence. Instead, we have to follow our dreams and watch God bring his bright future to pass. Joseph didn't realize the true importance, the significance, or potential of his dreams. He didn't understand the plans that God truly had for him. He didn't. And some of us have been in that same place. He spoke something to us. He showed us something. But we really didn't understand the importance of it. We didn't understand the significance of it. We didn't understand the potential of it. Because our current state and the mess of our, our lives didn't match the beauty, didn't match the splendor of that dream that God gave to us. Maybe people didn't care about the dream that God gave us. Right? Maybe people weren't as enthused about the dream as we were. They didn't see that potential, right? but God did because he gave you the dream. We have to allow God to be God. If he planted the dream, he's going to water the dream. He's going to mature it. We have to give it. It's in his time. Right? He's got a plan for our lives whether we see it or not, whether we understand it in the moment. Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the NIV says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's God to you. Right? He knows the plans. And these plans he has for you, right, they're going to prosper you. They're not going to harm you. It's, it's hope. It's hope to you in your future. So he's moving in the midst of the dysfunction. He's moving in the, in the midst of the storm. Because he, he wasn't, if he wasn't moving in the midst of the storm, then he couldn't say, peace be still. That storm has to be there, but he's, he's moving in it. You know, he's in, he's in the lightning and he's in the thundering. That, that's where he lives. That's where, in the Old Testament, when, 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 when Moses was on Mount Sinai, that's how God came. The lightnings and the thunderings and the people are like, oh, I'm scared. Moses, you go. You go talk to God for me and then come back and tell me what he said. But that ain't what God intended. My dream is not your dream. You got your own dream. So don't be scared of the, what you perceive to be the dysfunction. That's just, God's moving in it. God's moving. You got to trust in that. You got to trust in that. Webster defines, dysfun- defines dysfunction as impaired or abnormal functioning. Abnormal or unhealthy interpersonal behavior or interaction within a group. And we definitely see that in Joseph's family. Abnormal functioning, unhealthy behavior, and interaction. God still, though, what? He had a plan. And he was still moving 
in the midst of that dysfunction. When God gives you a dream, you become a dreamer, and the characteristics of a dreamer will be seen in you, and others will recognize it. See, dreamers are seers, not lookers. They see into the supernatural. Dreamers are not victims of fear. They are bold. Dreamers are risk takers and adventurers. Dreamers are bitter enemies of complacency. Dreamers are workers, not wishers. Dreamers are voices, not echoes. Dreamers don't complain and they never compromise. Dreamers are assets, not liabilities. They believe that in God, all things are possible. Dreamers are liberated, not bound. Dreamers carry and reflect a positive mental attitude rather than a negative mental attitude to life. Whatever's happening to them on the outside doesn't affect them on the inside because of their overall confidence in God. And sometimes, sometimes we need the, the power of positive self-talk. And I'm one, I talk to myself all the time. And indeed, I answer myself because it's rude not to. So sometimes, you got, I, I talk to myself in the third person and encourage myself. And I find power in that. So what I want to do, I, I, I want to read these again, but I, I, I want us all to read them again. But this time, we're going we're gonna to take out Dreamer, and I want you to put your own name. I'm Andre. Don't say Andre. You say your own name. Whatever they call you. I want you to read them again because, again, sometimes we need that, that positive self-talk. So here's going to work. Not real easy. I'm just gonna, I'm a, we're just going to read them. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for my pace. You read them all for yourself. I'm just going one, two, three, and we're going to go. We're going to just read them down. All right. All right. One, two, three. Andre is not a seer. I'm a looker. I see into the supernatural. Andre is not a victim of fear. I am bold. Andre is a risk taker and an adventurer. Andre is a bitter enemy of complacency. Andre is a worker, not a wisher. Andre is a voice, not an echo. Andre does not complain, and I never compromise. Andre is an asset, not a liability. I believe that in God, all things are possible. Andre is liberated, not bound. Andre carries and reflects a positive mental attitude rather than a negative mental attitude towards life. Whatever is happening to me on the outside does not affect me on the inside because of my overall confidence in God. And that's what allows us to believe even when we don't understand. That's what allows us to trust that God is working in the midst of the dysfunction because all things are possible. If he spoke it, he said it, it's already going to happen. I'm just waiting for time to catch up with his words. 
but I can't get sidetracked. I got to wait for time to catch up to his words. I have an overall confidence in my God that if he said it, it's already done. Whatever is happening on the outside is not going to affect me on the inside. These characteristics cannot be hidden. They're just present. They're evident. And people recognize them in you. People see them in you. And sometimes they're not going to like it. But it don't matter. It doesn't matter if they like it or not. We don't care if they like it or not. Because God likes it. In fact, God loves it. That's how he made us to be. These are the characteristics that he wants to follow. These signs shall follow them (laughs) that believe. God's good with it. I'm good with it. All right? It doesn't matter what others believe. And really, we see that still in the story of Joseph all right, and, and his brothers. Genesis 37 and 19, they recognized him, who he was. The Bible says, and they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. So what we had was the brothers were off tending sheep, and uh, Jacob sent Joseph to go find them and check on them and make sure they're okay. And so Joseph's coming up, and they kind of see him from afar off, and they, they, they call him as he is the dreamer. All right, behold, this dreamer cometh. But they had evil intentions toward this dreamer. And we find that in Genesis 37, verses 20 through 22. And here's where, here's where we are reminded that the dysfunction cannot kill the dreamer or the dream. So Genesis 37 verse 20 says, Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Verse 21, And Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Verse 22, and Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. So uh, they want to kill him, kill Joseph, kill their brother. And Reuben said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's lay no hand upon him, but let's just throw him in this pit over here. All right. Uh, Reuben's plan was if we put him in the pit, we'll all go over here and I'm going to sneak back later. I'm going to take him out of the pit and we're going to run home, run back to, to safety. Um, read on later, we'll find out that that's not exactly uh, how it worked out, how the, the plan went. All right? uh, the brothers had a plan all right? and so did God. The brothers had a plan, but, but so did God because, again, I remind you, the dysfunction cannot kill the dreamer or the dream. It doesn't matter what you call your dysfunction. Joseph, Joseph called his dysfunction uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Benjamin. 
You should have called he called him father too. Uh, he called him father too, because he was he was as big a problem as they were. But they couldn't they couldn't kill his dream. And they certainly couldn't kill the dreamer. All right, they couldn't kill the dream, and they certainly couldn't kill the dreamer. My second and final point today, why we must believe, even though we don't understand, is I will believe what God says to me is true, even when others do not believe. I will believe what God says to me is true, even when others do not believe. And because repetition is the key to retention, I will believe what God says to me is true, even when others do not believe. If Joseph truly, if Joseph truly understood what his dreams meant. He would not have just casually restated his dreams to his family. But remember, we talked about it. He was only 17. He didn't really know what he was doing. He didn't understand his dreams. His brothers certainly didn't understand his dreams. Uh, They were consumed by hate. The brothers were consumed by hate. They were less concerned with the fact that he had dreams Right, and more concerned with the fact that based on his dreams, their younger brother might one day have uh, dominion over them. See, they were, they were so concerned about the, the content of the dreams. Oh, you're going to be our boss? You're going you're gonna to tell us what to do? We're going to have to listen to you? They, they, didn't, they didn't grasp the context. They didn't think, how can his dream bless me? How is his dream going to affect me? How is his dream going to make my life better? They were just worried about, oh, man, he's going to be my boss. Well, they missed it. Because it wasn't the fact that he was going to be in charge. It was the fact that him being in charge was going to save their life. The fact that God promised him something meant that they were going to be blessed. And they missed that. Because they were just worried about what it looked like. They didn't think about what it could mean. And we can't miss that. We can't miss that. We can't miss what God is really trying to show us because we're so focused on what we see. We're going to miss it every time. If I'm just looking at it through my human lens of frustration, of anger, bitterness, jealousy, contempt, I'm going to miss it every time. I'm going to miss God's plan. I'm going to miss God's intention every time. I got to try to see through God's lens. I got I to I gotta see it through how he intended it to be seen because... Remember, I've said it a few times that I'm just, I'm just waiting for the revelation to catch up with where I am in time. A few weeks ago, we talked about getting from here to there to there, and it's continual, but God, God isn't moving in time like we're moving in time. He's, he's outside of time. He's outside of time. So if I always get stuck looking at the way that I feel based on my circumstance, I'm going to miss it 
every single time. I got to see how God intends for it to be when his promise catches up to where I am right now. That's how I've got to see it. That's how I've got to see it. I've got to know that what God has spoken, it's got to be a blessing to me. It's got to be a blessing to me. Because he's God and he loves me. And he's looking out for me. And he cares for me. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter that first human emotion that comes up in me. That didn't come from God. That didn't come from God. That didn't come from God. I got to trust, I got to trust in, in his promises. So the, the, the brothers, they missed it. They saw the content, but they didn't, they didn't grasp the context of what God, the same God that they served, that Joseph served, they didn't see what God was trying to do. We know that Joseph's father didn't, didn't understand the dream, and he certainly didn't agree with the dream or what the dreams forecasted. And in, in, in verse 10 of, of Genesis 37, Jacob actually re rebukes Joseph. The Bible says, and he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is the dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And I know that, that, that Jacob... Um, he posed this question. It was, it was a rhetorical question. And the reason it was a rhetorical question is because he, he didn't believe. He didn't believe in Joseph. He didn't believe in, in the dream. He was, again, worried about the content and not the context. Right, we think, how can I be blessed by my son? <laughs> uh, the Bible talks about um, not being despised for your youth. God can use anybody. God will use anybody. So, 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 so Jacob missed it. Jacob missed it because the, the, the answer to his rhetorical question is yes. That's exactly what God intended. God intended that one day yeah, you're going to bow down before this guy and it's going to be for your good. It's going to be for your blessing. It's going to be to save your life. That's God's intention. Yeah, your whole family is going to bow down. All right? But it's for your blessing. It's for your good. And after dreaming his dreams and well before, well before being even remotely close to walking in God's promises for his life, Jacob was more than tested. We talked about it in the beginning that, that he endured some things. He went through some things that would have taken out the, the best of us. You know, there were some direct consequences for simply speaking the promises of God. All right? These consequences are what? That Joseph's brothers did not believe him. And because they didn't believe him, they, they hated him. They hated him. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. These are the consequences of believing in God, even when others don't believe. If you're like me, you've probably been thinking, you know, going through the Rolodex of your mind, right, of your life and bringing to remembrance those times people didn't believe you, right, and the devastating effects those instances had on in your walk with God. Maybe you thought of some of the detours and wrong turns and failed paths taken simply because you let people get in your head and you started to believe them more than you believe God. The worst part is sometimes these aren't even bad people. It's just that, you know, their intentions may even be good. It's just that what? They, they, just, they just don't see it the way God sees it. All right? They just don't see it the way God sees it. 
And that's okay. We're going to believe even if they don't because God already said it. Even though we can't forget what's in the past, we, we don't live there either. We don't live there either. God is going to mature our dreams, right? If we're looking for clarity in which path to take, you're in a good place. God's going to take you along the path he intends for you. We can't stop believing what he's already said. And you can stand as I come to a close this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. God's already said it, right? For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. He's already said it. It's established. We're just waiting for his words to catch up with our time. Believing what God says is true even when others do not believe, all right, that's what we have to do. That's how we believe without understanding because God's already said it. I'm going to believe it even if nobody else believes it. Final verse of scripture this morning. Genesis chapter 42, verses 6 through 9. The Bible says, and Joseph was the governor over the land, and it was, yeah, he's the boss. Second in command, he's the boss. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. Don't miss this. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces. That's the context of the dream. Not that he would be their boss, but that he would be a blessing to them. Verse 7, and Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, uh, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, whence come ye? And they said, from the land of Canaan, to buy food. God made Joseph to be their provision. Verse 8, and Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Finally, verse 9, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. Ladies and gentlemen, we believe even if we don't understand. We trust no matter what anyone thinks, no matter what anyone believes, because God is working in the dysfunction. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.